of history celebrate you and me cheers to you badass raise your glass cause she fucking did that she fucking did that she fucking did that she fucking did that hello 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 Hello, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day weekend. Galentine's Day weekend. My birthday weekend, actually. Yes. Yay. She is 25. Hey, hey Layla, what's cool with the 24? 25. 25. <laughs> <laughs> and we're both, that's crazy. We'll both be 25. We are both quarter of a century. Have you had yay. your crisis yet? I am having it today, about 10 minutes <laughs> before we got on the mic. So. And we're keeping it real. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I am on the verge of crying, but our Nora Listen. Ephron continuation, it will always make it better. Yes, because Nora Ephron just makes us both feel better. You know, I, I said this last week, and I'll say it again. I think I'm going to watch When Harry Met Sally again after we're done with this. So. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, we have been, it's of course, perfect, deep diving into movie. all of her works. We and- have been. Oh, yeah. And today, well, I actually watched, I finally watched Heartburn, mm-hmm. which we're going to get into a little bit later. Yes. But it's excellent. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. so excited to dive on in. Yeah. Heartburn was one of her first hits, I guess. Or was it really, was it popular when it came out? I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. It was. Big time. was it? Okay. Yes. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was, like, her first thing that kind of put her on the map besides, you know, writing for Esquire, but we will get into that. Um, for right now, I am going to tell you what my drink is, if that's oh, yes. cool with you. Please do. Uh, <laughs> my drink this week, as it is every week, <laughs> is coffee. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I actually, so I learned how to make coffee in a mocha pot. I've been doing it for, like three months now and it's been amazing so I learned how to make lattes so I'm drinking a hazelnut latte right now and it's amazing um but I'm calling it heartburn because I know coffee doesn't sit well with a lot of people (laughs) it could give you heartburn um but also I'm naming it heartburn because of heartburn by Nora Ephron (laughs) because that's what we're talking about today perfect double entendre I'm getting chest pains just thinking about it perfect (laughs) There you go. It's perfect. <laughs> Thankfully, I live right across the street from a hospital, so we are in good, oh, good. In good hands. <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better. Yes, perfect. It's, it's great. It's all safe. <laughs> are you in good hands? Are you in a good location? Yep, that's it. I love it. Do well, you have well, something yeah. to eat or drink this week? I, I, I can't think. Um, I... <laughs> doing the same thing I did last time where I am mm-hmm. highlighting one of her favorite foods. Yes. And in the movie Heartburn, one of the craziest parts that I was surprised happened at the end of the movie, honestly, mm-hmm. was a key lime pie. So I'm going to be fake eating a key lime pie because I don't have one. Um, but I can taste it. If you can get your hands on one. If I, drink I could. Some, drink some coffee Eat some key lime pie. Yes, eat some key lime pie. And I'm calling it mid-jump. And there's a reason why mm. I am. And I'll tell you later. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited. You know, I was never a fan of key lime pie. But I am not the way, the way she The way she did it in the movie, I can get behind it. That's all I want. It was great. And we'll talk about that later. 
Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to do the same thing that we did last week. And I am going to talk to you guys about uh, her life, like her just a quick biography. Uh, this time we're going to go from uh, when she started writing from Esquire up until um, she wrote uh, Heartburn. So um, that includes her marriages and divorces, which I think is very appropriate for Valentine's Day weekend. So <laughs> it was hysterical because I was finally watching it today and I was mm-hmm. like, wait, Layla, hold on. This is a Valentine's Day episode. We didn't, mm-hmm. we did not plan on this at all. No, we did and, not. It just worked <laughs> out perfectly. Exactly. And it's all about divorce. So we were celebrating divorced women as well. And yes. Laura was all about that. She's like, I'll tell you mm-hmm. what, divorce him. <laughs> but for the exactly. record, of course, we are not bitter. It is just pure comedy. And we want exactly. you to join the ride. And we hope we're not bitter at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try not to be. Um, no, but hey, I mean, it's, it's part of the brand too, in a yeah. way. But no, it's what do we say to lighthearted comedy? Yeah. yeah, we just say fuck them, fuck them, fuck not em. literally because no, UTI no. suck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, STDs and UTIs are not what you want on Valentine's Day. <laughs> but anyways, um, thankfully she didn't have to deal with any of that that we know of. Um, oh God, so, she definitely would have mentioned that. Uh, yeah, you're right. She, yeah. We would have known if she did. Definitely. <laughs> it would have been in heartburn. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get started. So we left off with her writing for Esquire. Now, for this part, I forgot to mention my sources last week and I feel really bad. But for this part, I really relied heavily on her son's documentary about her, uh, which is, of course, Everything is Copy, which we mention all the time. Um because this is going to be more about who she was outside of writing, for the most part, in, in her personal life. So, um, here we go. So, she is writing for Esquire. She's writing about women. She's doing she's doing her thing. She's doing great. Uh, her friend and fellow journalist, Victor Navasky, introduced her to her first husband, Dan Greenberg. Uh, Victor said... It was, uh, you know, for better or for worse, they got introduced, but she might say for worse. (laughs) Um, uh, So Dan. Can we we talk about what a brilliant line that is? I know. (laughs) Because we hear that all the time. That is in every vow, for better or for worse. And she's like, yeah, for worse. Yeah, for worse. (laughs) Who has the guts to say that in the 70s? That's huge. Nora. Nora, man. Yeah. I, I just, I love that. I love it's it. It's so funny. So funny. Um, so I'm Dan, like... for real, um, for those of you who don't know Dan, he is the author of How to Be a Jewish Mother. Um, very funny. I've never read it. Have you read it? I read a few excerpts and it is very funny. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, so yeah, he was also a writer, just like Nora. Um, and... But they were both very ambitious. Um, I I kind of feel like it's a trend. Do you feel this way? It's a trend that, like, when two creatives get together, it just makes, like, a storm. Like Oh, absolutely. It, it's, like, because you're so ambitious and you're both, like, kind of working towards the same thing, it kind of gets messy. Um, yeah, particularly yeah. with writers. 
mm-hmm. as Nora said. Yeah, because like writers yeah. are cannibals, and yeah, and, and it's very hard. And because I I've dated my you know a few artists, like fellow mm-hmm. artists, and sometimes it's really hard to share the spotlight, depending yeah. on what's going on. And it's great to be competitive, but it's a good thing that at that at the time, like he was more of a like a novelist humorist, and she mm-hmm. was pure essays at the time. Right. But I think their personalities were just totally off. Totally. Yeah, totally different. Because even, yeah. like, when you watch the documentary, I mean, we all know how lively and hilarious Nora was and how not afraid she was to talk about anything. And then you watch the documentary and you see Dan with her and, like, talking about her and stuff. And he's just very mellow and quiet. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, a lot of people say, like, opposites attract right right (laughs) but I feel like on some level if like you're Nora and you're on like level 116 Mm -hmm. your partner has got to be at least like on level 90 with you absolutely (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) he seems like a very sweet man I'm sure very kind decent person totally I think that that marriage from what we know seems like the whole men are on on Mars women are on Venus yeah yeah just completely different light years apart yeah (laughs) oh yeah Mm-hmm. I would totally agree with that assessment. Um, but yeah, so that was just kind of their relationship. But when they were together, uh, she would throw these dinner parties. And she would go up to someone that she hadn't met before and say, Hey, if I throw a party, would you come? And she would say this to people like Joan Didion and Mike Nichols and like Barbara Walters. Like all of these amazing people. Um, and so, yeah, so that's just how she was. She loved entertaining and everyone loved her because she was just so welcoming and lively. Um, and like Gia said last week, she was a foodie. Uh, Barbara Walters said the food at her parties was terrific. She could cook with her left hand, she said. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, these parties that she would throw, um, I feel like they just don't happen anymore and it's not just because of covid (laughs) um but like i want to go to one of i would have loved to be at one of her parties yes so fly on the wall at one of those parties that was what life was like and well i'll tell you what i i'm not gonna lie so i had the most kick-ass new year's eve party and uh-huh. I I tried to run it kind of how I would think Nora would run it, and she yeah. had like all like like old friends, new friends, strangers coming in. And as Dan said in the documentary, he said like they got to run with a really fast crowd. And mm-hmm. now that I'm meeting all all these people in the city and. There's like friends from all over the country, like doing all these amazing things, which I'm so proud to know all these people and be part of yeah. it. it. It feels like I am in that fast crowd that. Nora was in yeah. maybe a little bit before she got really big. So I, mm-hmm. I I don't know exactly how old she was when they got married, but mm-hmm. it's just so cool to think that like you're you're a part of something and you're the one that actually makes those parties happen. Yeah, and like just yeah. brings everyone together. And it was a bunch of those people, like creatives, um, just coming together to talk and have opinions and just laugh. And like you said, like, they were all there because of Nora. Like, she, (laughs) yeah, she brought them all together. Um, But, like, she was, she was tough and she was mean to people that, like, she set her scopes on. But to everyone else, like, she was like a magnet. Like, they just, like, she just attracted everyone. Um, 
Yeah, so there's not much on her marriage with Dan. Um, from what it seems like, Nora just kind of moved on. That's mm-hmm. what her friend says in yeah. the documentary. Uh, they divorced after nine years of marriage. They didn't have any kids while they were together. Um, but apparently all their friends were happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> For what it seems like. <laughs> yeah. He was a good guy. We were happy that, he, that she moved on. Yeah. She was like, yeah, that's fine. She yeah. moved on and everything was fine. It, yeah. But yeah. Um, in 1976, she married Carl Bernstein. Um, so if you recall from what I said last week, Carl Bernstein was one of the reporters who uncovered the Watergate scandal. He is one of the people that the movie All the President's Men is based after. Um just a huge, huge name after the Watergate scandal. Um, so yeah, Dustin they got, Hoffman played him. Come yeah, on. like Dustin Hoffman is playing you in a movie. Come on, yeah. Um, so they were in love. They had their first child together, Jacob, in 1978, who went on to uh, produce and direct this documentary about his mother. Yes, and um, he's a writer for the Times. Yes, yeah, he very talented followed. journalist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would um, love to meet him. I know, yeah, he seems like, I, w- I would love to pick his brain and just hang out and have a beer with him. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in 1979, Nora's pregnant with their second child, Max, uh, when she found out that Carl had been cheating on her with a mutual friend, which is just a double whammy. Mm-hmm. Your husband is cheating on you, but he's not just cheating on you with anyone. He's cheating on you with one of your friends. Like, right. are you fucking serious? And she was a very big royal <laughs> deal, too. Yeah, she was a journalist, too, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So was she? Yeah, yeah. She I forget where she wrote for, but yeah, she was a she was a pretty well known journalist at the time. I'm looking up her name. Yeah, it's a I forget what her name is. I didn't include it. I thought she, she was like really an ambassador's wife or something. Um, she might have been, but she from what I read, she was also a journalist. A journalist, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Margaret J, wife of Peter J, mm-hmm. former British ambassador yeah. in the States. Okay, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Fucking bitch. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um... Yeah, she's a baroness. Oh. All right. La-di-da. Fucking bitch. All right. (laughs) Wow. How how any hall of you? Well, I love it. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh my god. That's so funny. I'm just like, what? What type of woman? Come on. Like you are in the spotlight to a degree, Mm -hmm. and you're gonna cheat. Yeah, well, and Carl, cheat you're on your husband, and and you're a reporter, and you're gonna cheat on one of the most, or cheat with one of the most well-known journalists in, in the country. The country. Like, They're idiots. They, they want. Yeah, I, I, you have. They to want to get caught. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. And I mean, if if it's anything like Harper, and like you can kind of see like the type of person 
that he was mm-hmm. um and maybe still is i don't know um but yeah it's i don't i don't get it i don't get people that cheat me neither but i mean maybe that's just the romantic in me but <laughs> don't cheat on your wives Please. or your husbands your partners don't cheat on them anyone just don't do it just leave yeah. just leave feel yeah. the urge Hey, maybe they want to. Maybe they want to cheat on you too, and you could. You guys can just step out of the marriage for two seconds and be happy with it. Oh yeah, like, have an open marriage. Hey man, have an, have an open relationship. Yeah, man. If you're Do having it. that urge, your partner probably is too. Just yeah, just talk have about. The conversation. See, this is this is what I mean about communication. <laughs> if people communicated that they wanted to have sex with other people, yep. the world would just be a better place. Exactly. Well, there was a great line in Heartburn that was like, mm-hmm. if you you want monogamy, marry a swan. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. Shit. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, that happened to her, and that obviously had a really, really big impact on Nora's life um, because, like her mother said, Everything is copy. So she did what Nora does, and she wrote about the whole thing, the whole affair, of course fictionalized to a degree, in her book titled Heartburn, published in 1983. And if that didn't fulfill her revenge fantasy, it also got made into a movie starring Jack Nicholson playing her husband and Meryl fucking Streep playing Mm -hmm. Her. Who is basically her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's what she did. And uh, Carl Bernstein actually threatened to sue over the whole thing, over the book and the movie. But he never, he never actually did. And I wonder why. I think my theory is because he realized what he did was wrong and he kind of deserved it to a degree. Oh, So course. I think he was just like, you know what? I'll just not... <laughs> Yeah. Well, She's been like, through enough. <laughs> absolutely. Well, then I know they, they got divorced, or at least they filed for divorce in 1980. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Mike Nichols, as stated in the documentary, was a signatory of the divorce, which is Oh, really? Crazy. Yes, that never... Oh, like, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, Carl said that in the doc. And and he, and he's, it was like the wildest divorce ever. Yeah. Uh, it was totally makes sense. And, and mm-hmm. in the movie, so the, the whole thing... Now, this is where I'm not exactly sure... The exact differences are between the novel and the movie, which I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. discuss. Um, mm-hmm. But but Carl just said, since it was a, a huge Hollywood movie, Mike Nichols' director. By the if you don't remember, Mike Nichols directed The Graduate, among mm-hmm. many other things. He's very famous, of course, yes. and they all were famous. Mike, Nora, and Carl. And he mm-hmm. said, if you're going to make this movie in the contract, and they're in their divorce contract. It had, he was only allowed to be portrayed as a loving and caring father. Right. Um, yes. That was, that was yeah. the only thing he really asked. Um, yeah. Of course. Yes. And I that, that was that definitely yes. true from mm-hmm. my, from my opinion watching the movie. Totally. Crazy. Totally. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, can you imagine the power <laughs> to be able to do that? <laughs> To publish a book about the affair and a movie, have a movie made about it. Just, yeah. I would, I just feel like it would be so cathartic to just get it all out there. Because, you know, people have diaries, people have, you know, their, like, blogs or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Nora had 
the public eye. <laughs> she had the exactly. media. Like, and she was she like, did. this is my diary. Like, this is it. Mm-hmm. So, and, and whether she, she thought that was happening to her or not, she started her every entertainment medium takeover in a way, in the best way. Yeah. And, but she always says she never thought of herself as a novelist, even mm-hmm. d- decades after Heartburn. She was just a writer who happened to write one novel. Yeah. And, and also, and this is the, the coolest thing in the documentary. Um, and the reason why I'm calling my the food the killing pie mid jump is because mike nichols said that when it was all happening and basically because at the time she was living in dc with mm-hmm. carl because that's where he was working mm-hmm. and she went back to new york cried for six months at her friend's house got i know gottlieb was his last name and and, and but wrote it and made it funny so his analogy was she was like a cat that switched mm-hmm. positions in mid-jump and she turned her tragedy into a comedy and that was yeah. always her goal. She's a humorist. That, that's yeah. why her essays were so compelling because she was honest and and she did it. And and, my, and Mike Nichols said that, and people around the world knew that she won and they yeah. cheered for her. And it's yeah. the coolest thing. So she was the one, like she took her power back as millennials like mm-hmm. to say. But she she made it funny, and I think that's the most powerful thing a woman could do is yes. turn all this like the societal, generational, mm-hmm. historic bullshit and just yeah. make it fucking funny so everyone can relate exactly. to it. Exactly, that yeah. is. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, um, I feel like if I ever have kids, <laughs> I would tell them like you know if they're ever being bullied just like turn it around on them and make it funny like or just laugh laugh about it and like because the like the bullies I think worst nightmare is to be laughed at or like or laughter is just so weakening to people um who think they have the power exactly (laughs) um so yeah I think that I mean that is that's what she did that's that was her coping mechanism that's mine (laughs) I just I just try to laugh at whatever situation I'm in and it does help um it makes you feel like you have control over the situation so um, absolutely and I wonder what what Nora would think of the self-deprecating humor of today I wonder oh I think she would love it because I I mean I, I think it would depend who's writing it yeah, totally. Like d- depending on like how it's written and everything. But I mean, I'm just look at her her book um like how I feel about my neck or whatever it's called, the mm-hmm. one about her neck. Um yeah. and and it's like, you know, we look good for our age except for our necks. Right. <laughs> like, I hate, I hate we saw our elbows, yeah. we would shoot ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> or kill ourselves. <laughs> right. So, I think like she she did that in all of her writing, um the self-deprecating yeah. humor to a degree. So, definitely. Yeah, so that was that was Nora. She wasn't afraid to be candid uh, in her life and in her writing. She wasn't afraid to be real, which is what G and I are trying to do today. We're trying to be real with you guys. Um, and that's why we love her. Um, so, yes, like her mother said, and it's what she stuck to to her entire life, everything is copy, um, which kind of gives you an idea why she felt so comfortable writing about what happened to her um but next week should be next week uh we'll talk more about the limits she put on that rule because she wasn't always candid about everything in her life but we'll get to that later um so yeah so that is uh nora's 
pretty much like Nora's love life <laughs> during that mm-hmm. time, the 70s and 80s, um, up until Heartburn. Um, and then when we come back, G and I are going to talk about the movie Heartburn and how it reflected uh, her life. Just deep dive into it a little bit more. So I can't wait. Yay. Hey. <laughs> All right. BRB, y'all. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fight as a gladiator in ancient Rome? What about life as a small business shop owner on a crusades route? An artisan in Han Dynasty China? A seamstress during the French Revolution? What was life like for these workers and others like them? Welcome to Working Overtime, the show where we walk in the shoes of everyday workers, artisans, scientists, teachers, and tradespeople, tracking how economic systems shape and reshape societies and are shaped by them. Each week, join me, Dr. Karen Bellinger, anthropologist, historical archaeologist, and wannabe time traveler, and my guests, a range of historians, archaeologists, and other experts as we examine how we work, explore the sometimes surprising origins of modern commerce systems, and even peek at the future technologies and systems that could change everything yet again. Listen and subscribe to Working Over Time on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. New episodes out every Friday. For show updates and more fun content, be sure to follow us at Working Over Time series on Instagram. Thanks for listening. And we're back with our Nora Ephron deep dive. Once again, this is She Fucking Did That. I don't think we said what the show was at the top of the show. Oh my God, we and- did it. <laughs> so welcome. And with She Fucking Did That, Nora Ephron did fucking everything pretty much. She really so did. We love her. And right now we are finally going to deep dive into Heartburn, which was her her, her first well, and pretty much only real like novel. And... And then we're going to talk about the movie, too. But first, Lola has an excerpt in the novel that she would like to share. Yes. So I just wanted to um, share her writing style with you guys, at least in her novel. Last week, we uh, read a little bit of one of her essays. But this is from the book Heartburn. Um, It's in the beginning, page 29, if you want to read along. (laughs) But... um, just to kind of show you how she might have been feeling at the time and just like how she um, she brought comedy into this really heartbreaking time for her and her family. So here it goes. Um, I would like to ask her what a person who is seven months pregnant is supposed to do when her husband turns out to be in love with someone else. But the truth is she probably wouldn't have been much help. By the way, she's talking about her mother. Uh, Even in the old days, my mother was a washout at hardcore mothering. What she was good at were clever remarks that made you feel immensely sophisticated and adult and, if you thought about it at all, foolish for having wanted anything so mundane as some actual nurturing. (laughs) Oh my god. Had I been able to talk to her at this moment of crisis, she would probably have said something fabulously brittle like, take notes. Then she would have gone into the kitchen and toasted almonds. You melt some butter in a frying pan, add whole blanched almonds, and saute till they're golden brown with a few little burnt parts. Drain lightly and salt and eat with a nice stiff drink. Men are little boys, she would have said as she lifted her glass. Don't stir or you'll bruise the ice cubes. So, yeah. (laughs) 
So that was um, her talking about her mother, and I'm sure that she, the, the character in her book, um, she pulled bits of her own mother into this. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, so that is kind of the tone of heartburn. You know, she's going through the divorce um, or the separation, just trying to figure out why. Why would someone who is about to have a baby do this to that, to their partner? Um, so, yeah, that that's kind of what you're in for with heartburn, which I love because it's mm-hmm. full of witty remarks like the ones you just heard. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank yeah. you for sharing and for picking that clip in particular. I think this is mm-hmm. a great way to kind of talk about the movie and the book at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so something I noticed. Now, the book was published in 1983 and the movie came out in 1986. But this was not the first, like, of course, not the first screenplay that Nora wrote. So here's a little bit of her timeline. She and Carl got divorced in 1980. Okay, so there's a three-year three gap between the divorce and the movie. And Nora started writing screenplays around 1980 as well. So there's some more context into her, into her movie career. In the late 70s, she wrote her first screenplay that ended up being a TV movie that she said was not very good. I saw this <laughs> in an interview on YouTube. You can find it. Um, and she wrote about 12 or so screenplays, she said, and she thought, okay, I'll, I'll write screenplays for a while because she needed the money while she was going through her divorce and she wasn't making enough money in journalism. So she said, okay, I'll write screenplays for a while and then I'll go back to quote unquote real writing. But then Silkwood came out, which also came out in 1983 when the book was published. It was kind of a big transitional year for her. And Silkwood, of course, also starred Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. And so, it's like, so it was there when Silkwood got made where she's like, oh shit, like... I love this world. Yeah. I stay here. And then Heartburn was made three years later. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what happened. Um, but I loved what you said. <laughs> so how, how that was the tone of, of the book, because for me, like, like the book is a comedy, but the yeah. movie is actually slated as a drama. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's definitely how I perceive the movie too. Like the movie is totally. not a comedy. No, I think. no. Right. Like, there might be some, like, a few one-liners, maybe, like, a few parts that you chuckle at, but it's primarily, definitely a drama. A drama, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, but something I noticed, now, of course, the cast in this movie is insane. So, it's, again, Meryl Streep, Jack Nicholson, a very young Jeff Daniels, young everybody, all right, Stalker Channing, Caroline Aaron, oh, um, freaking Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey. <laughs> With like he looks like Justin Timberlake with the frosted tips. Yeah. It's very strange. But something I uh-huh. noticed is that like in 70s and 80s movies, everyone's voices were so much higher. All of these high <laughs> did you notice that? All of these high caliber no. actors. Yes, Jeff sounded like a little mouse, and so did Kevin, and it was very strange. <laughs> yeah, so it was like the voices were higher, but the comedies were sadder. Yeah. So it was this very strange, interesting 80s juxtaposition. And it got me mm-hmm. thinking of other 80s movies too at the time. Like when I think like The Breakfast Club, that is yeah. a comedy, but that's fucking heavy, okay? It's heavy, so, yeah. Yeah. So it kind of shows how comedies have changed too mm-hmm. because Nora's parents were screenwriters, uh, very like, like particularly for romantic comedies. And then Nora had this in-between kind of dark 
bitter humor and yeah. then she got into sleep is in seattle and you've got mail and julie and julia and mm-hmm. these real real light-hearted romantic yeah. comedies so yeah. this was the perfect sweet spot and mike nichols even said that this was a time when when these like, when harry met sally at least came out mm-hmm. like she was the one who brought the rom-com back and mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that that Harper was the one to kind of push her out of the sadness and more into the the humor, like yeah. the real cheerful humor that Nora always said that she was herself. So I actually just put that whole thing together right now as we're speaking. <laughs> but but it's well, true. It's like, great. It's, it's, a very it's true. Interesting yeah. time in in film history. No, I, yeah, I really like that because it does kind of show you. Um, like, not only the transition in, like, film history, but just her transition, like, as a person, like, in, in her emotions and her feelings and stuff like that, and in her writing, too. Like, like I said before, I'm sure Heartburn was probably a really cathartic experience for her um, to kind of get through the divorce and everything. Um, it's It would be like talking to a friend or therapist about it, I feel like, yeah. to be able to see it, like, out in the open like that it was probably super helpful and then after that just like you know letting it go and being a mother and a friend and eventually finding the love of her life and all that so yeah I really like what you said about that I'm glad that you put it together just now because (laughs) (laughs) thank god it's so it's just so interesting yeah I love it well, thank you for agreeing with me that I'm not yeah. showing that face. So that's great. Also, we have to talk about the movie. It's all Carly Simon music. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's okay. awesome. Speaking of the music, though. Yeah. So I thought it was really funny. There was, a, there was a tune that, like, I noticed in the middle of the movie and then couldn't stop noticing it until the end of the movie. It was, like, kind of like the, the theme, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I noticed it started playing and I was like, is this an instrumental version of Winner Takes It All by ABBA? <laughs> because it's it, the first like few notes, it sounds like that. It's the da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hold on. Was this like a premonition of what was to come for Meryl's Meryl Streep? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't apparently like it. It, it wasn't. wasn't. I don't think so because um, towards like the, after like a little while, like a few a few measures in, it doesn't go the way that song goes. But I was like, this is weird. And then it kept playing throughout the movie. And wow! I was like this is a huge coincidence. Well, I'm um, looking at the soundtrack now. It yeah. Okay, hold on. So I'm seeing a lot of musical theater, like Richard Rogers. Uh huh. Um, no, none of that. Well, that was with like the the scene when they're all singing, uh-huh. uh, when they're both singing together. But I was like, it kind yeah, of makes sense. Like, if it was "Winner Takes It All," it kind of makes sense. It would definitely make with sense. the story, like you yeah. know. <laughs> so, I just thought that was really funny. I, well, it sounds similar, so I I I totally I, I'm with it. I heard yeah. both. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of well, with the music. Mm-hmm. So of course there was a scene where they were when Jack and Meryl were both singing show tunes, and mm-hmm. and it was well, and there was also basically they're in their living room, their their unfinished house in Washington D.C., which is driving mm-hmm. Nora crazy. One, she yeah. didn't want to like well, 
well, not Nora. Well, Rachel is Rachel. The <laughs> and she did not want to go there. She was hesitant to get married in the first mm-hmm. place for the second time. So this this is where the movie is very autobiographical. Yeah. The similarities are Rachel is like she's just got divorced. Of course, like she's going back to when she first met Carl and she was yeah. divorced from Dan. That's definitely there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel is a food journalist. And I'm sure Nora would love to have done that. Like she basically uh-huh. did. Um, <laughs> and food was definitely her love. So that was the main mm-hmm. thing. Um, she had a friend who was an editor, of course. And um, that that's definitely relatable too. Mm-hmm. And was something that was interesting was when... Oh, okay. And the whole, and the whole thing with moving to D.C., was that she had to move to D.C. for Carl because that's where he right. was working, of course, yeah. with Watergate and just doing political White House mm-hmm. reporting. And so the, all of that is true, for sure. Um, but there, uh, let's, let's talk about when she, when she, when she did get married. And there mm-hmm. was, she was hiding in, in a room and she didn't want to do it. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's very rare for movies, of course, especially in that time. Yeah. And, she's, and she was saying how like, she doesn't believe in marriage, um, Oh, what else did she say? Uh, oh, and then her dad said, um, this is one of the best lines. He said, divorce is a temporary solution. I literally have that quote written down because I wanted to talk about oh. it. <laughs> what do you think about it? I, first of all, I, I cracked up because I was like, wait, that that's really funny, but also like super profound. <laughs> Very, yeah, because at, so at this time in the scene, Nora's saying, she's like, well, like, 50% of marriages end in divorce, mm-hmm. 40% of second marriages end in divorce. She's yeah. like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And, yeah. And then, I mean, she ends up, like, that ends up coming true for her, unfortunately. But it is really funny because, yeah, you can get divorced. Um, Still doesn't mean that you're going to be happy, is how I interpreted it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, of course. Yeah, it's just everyone had to be married at that time. At that time, right? And yeah. but it was it was doomed from the start because mm-hmm. she had a first date with him. She made food at four in the morning that looked delicious, yeah. and she said, "I'm never getting married again. I don't believe in marriage." And then Jack yeah. said, "Well, neither do I." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then they're and then they're like, "Okay, let's get married." Yeah, yeah, because well, he was so charismatic and so intense, uh-huh. and and this was Charming. purely yeah. taken. Like from the documentary, because Marie Brenner, her friend who dated Carl Bernstein way before oh, yeah. Nora met, because um, they, they met at a party that Marie was having, yeah, and, and and she said that he was leaning in intently on yeah. Nora, and that's also the same thing in the movie too. Mm-hmm. So that that was definitely there, but and the talk very and close to each other, very, yeah. and <laughs> she. <laughs> And that's how they got on their first date. And then he said, well, when we get married, I want this dinner once a week. That kind of bullshit. And then next scene, they're getting married. Yeah. Yeah. So, fuck that. And (laughs) and, she just knew something was wrong. She knew it was a bad idea. And another great line. She said, you can't even get a decent bagel in Washington, D.C. And I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what she was (laughs) And then I actually... I had the next line. Uh, I r- yeah. wrote it down. I'll send them to you, Federal Express, which is so funny because I had to like pause for a second. I said Federal Express, Express. and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> FedEx." <laughs> I forgot 
yeah, that, that was like a new thing, I guess, back then. And was it new? Uh, oh my god! I don't yeah. know. Well, I mean, they called it by its full name, Federal right. Express. I don't know yeah. when it changed to FedEx. So. That's so interesting. Yeah, and that's with so our acronyms. Funny. Yeah, Federal Express. <laughs> so oh, funny. that's so funny. I love it. Yeah, that's and then great. the other thing that I think is kind of symbolic too was when they were, you know, they're buying this house that is that was like destroyed in a fire. <laughs> and they're like we're gonna we're gonna um you know fix it up or whatever and they're showing their friends and they're like this is gonna be this whatever and they're like you have to picture it it has potential you just have to ignore all this ugliness and like picture it and their friends are like uh and then they're like um it's gonna be beautiful and then the other one is like not necessarily in your lifetime Right. (laughs) That's a classic Nora line. Yeah. Like, just that that wit, just the quick responses like that, that was all Nora. Like, if you watch any interview with her ever, it's lines like that where, Mm -hmm. like... She, you, could, you could go one way and just, like, take it normally, or but she just flips the script completely and is like, no, but look at it from this way. Exactly, yeah. But, and <laughs> she's really not, funny. like, she doesn't put anyone down. She's just like, well, no, maybe, yeah. but not not today. You know? Exactly. <laughs> not in your lifetime, but, like, it's gonna be. <laughs> You're right. So funny. Yeah, the classic really, really Yeah, funny. so the, totally a bad omen with, with that fire. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that made me think, I, I don't I don't think that happened to Nora. Like, they bought a house, like, the place where they lived was like yeah. that. But literary-wise, it's 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 very symbolic because it's either you're in a place where the bridge is already burned and he's already cheating on her, maybe, or you're trying to grow something from the ashes that it, might, it just might be too late. And like, and then, well, so here, and this, this is where this is so true to life. She told him that they were having a baby during a very stressful time and you know in today's time like a baby announcement is huge and everyone's really creative like the like, you know usually a wife would be like want to have a whole gender reveal or just surprise their partner in a very like different way and but that doesn't that didn't happen back then and, and my mom even told me a story when she told my dad that she was pregnant with me it wasn't a good wasn't a good day let's just put it that way so i thought that was really important to see that not every yeah. pregnancy is happy it's yeah and yeah. it's not I mean he was very happy about it and that goes back to the thing about like how mm-hmm. he uh, Carl had said like only portray me as just a great dad like whatever you do mm-hmm. like I have to be a good dad um because, like, yeah, it was a really stressful time. They're rebuilding this house. It's not ready to be inhabited by those two, let alone a baby. Um, but she told him, and, he, like, he was ecstatic. Like, they were both really right. happy about it. So that was that was another thing. But I think, I mean, that's that was just a pure, like, rom-com kind of moment, though. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah like telling about and... the baby like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really, really cute. But yeah. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how, what did you think of how Jack Nicholson's character Mark was portrayed as a man and as a husband? Um, I thought it was very true to the times <laughs> like um like when he said oh and we're married you're gonna make this for me every week or whatever and I was like right. 
<laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but no, I, uh, I mean, I think Jack Nicholson does a good job of portraying someone who has secrets and is a little bit sleazy in the background. Um, yeah, but uh, I don't. What did you think? Yeah, well, of course I thought the same thing, and but I, mm. I went into it with a lot of context of how they they went about the tone of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and of course in the documentary, everything's copy. Uh, they talk about <laughs> how um, so Meryl and and Mike Nichols were talking about like like should should we give Mark's character a chance to try to redeem himself or just explain mm-hmm. why he did what he did, and Meryl said. She said, oh, th- this movie is about someone who got hit by the bus. It's not about right. the bus. The bus, yeah. Yeah, and I thought that was really interesting because mm-hmm. usually you would always see, j- just try to get a glimpse of the other side um, for some kind of redemption, but that was not what happened here. Um, but but instead we did see Rachel kind of just give in to him because she did love him and she and she went back and and she just and she was like just don't see her anymore but but she knew that she didn't want to go back either and then and spoiler alert (laughs) and we don't really know exactly what happened but but she ended up saying like fuck society because her so stalker channing's character who was mark's great friend for a long time kept calling her and saying, are you behaving yourself? Basically saying, are you making dinner for him? Are you not asking him questions? Are you getting over it pretty much? Which is what it was like back then. And she's just like, yes, but I hate this. Yeah. So, so that was good. So we got to see that. We got to see like that woman, woman perspective and the cattiness because Catherine O'Hara's in this too. And she (laughs) plays this Texan journalist. Yeah. um, Basically like the gossip of, of DC. Right. And, um, Oh, it's just hysterical. So there was a scene and we finally find out that, you know, Mark is having the affair. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> and so, and she said, and <laughs> and Rachel says, you know, like, no one even flirts in this town. Like nothing happens here, blah, blah, blah. And there's like itching uh-huh. for some kind of story. So that was very funny too. But yeah. we really didn't see how men dealt with this. But we do know that Carl Bernstein dealt with the aftermath for a long, long time. Right. And it was definitely worse for him down the road than for Nora. That was an argument. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we'll never really know that. I'm sure it stung for a while, but at least Nora got got the last laugh. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah she took control of that. She won <laughs> for sure. <laughs> what did yeah. you think of the scene with the plane crash? With the dialogue? plane crash. When so okay, so th- that was the scene when she was on the phone with Stalker Channing and. Uh-huh. And he was saying like, I, and, and Rachel said, I, I wish he was dead. And she said, yeah. you know, she's like, well, you know, when, when my husband was having his little affair, I thought he, I wish he was dead too. And this goes mm-hmm. back to the thing I talked about last time where like, yeah. I would imagine him on a plane, the plane would Die. crash yeah. and like, what would happen at the funeral? What I would wear at the funeral, learning yeah. at the funeral, whatever, and like dating after the funeral. Yeah. And that was also so true to life mm-hmm. as fucked up as it is yeah when women get screwed over yeah we're gonna have those well, terrible thoughts yeah when you're when you're mad at someone like that yeah, yeah i think it's totally normal to have those thoughts like this is the person who is supposed to 
be there for you and be the father of your child and you know just be loyal to you and then they betrayed that so of course i would be mad too i wouldn't i wouldn't act on it but i would wish they were (laughs) (laughs) well i thought i just thought that was so ballsy to put that scene in there because it's totally bashing men oh totally but i mean she even like I mean, she even said that in, like, that one interview. I mean, she was talking about it in a different context, saying, like, she can't fantasize about another man until she's killed her husband. <laughs> um, it's the but that's, of getting, yeah. yeah, right, right, right. But that is kind of the fantasy. It's like, okay, now I can think about this, like, without any guilt. Guilt. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, it's just so funny because, like, because it was out of context when we first heard it, seeing it in mm. this drama was like shit. She was feeling yeah, it, you know, right. So that was right. interesting too. Well, and, let's talk yeah. about the last scene. Okay, uh, with the key lime pie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about that? <laughs> I was honestly, I didn't think that was gonna be the last scene. I yeah. was waiting for so much more because the movie went relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. For me. What did you think? Was it was it fast or slow? For me, it was slow. Okay. Um, yeah, it did go a little bit slow. Uh, I will say one thing uh, that was a huge difference that I think made the difference for me was that, like, it showed them before they met and then getting married and everything, but the book literally drops you right into where she finds out that he is cheating. But okay. because the book is more of a comedy and, like, her mind and, like, her inner dialogue... It makes sense that they, like, changed it up like that. But I think that's why it was a little slow for me because I knew what was going to happen. I knew what was coming. And so I was like, okay, let's just – let me – let's get to the part where he's cheating on her already. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so. mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I wonder today if if she would have taken, like, just different creative outlets into the structure of it. Like if she would do the flashback maybe. idea. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because I'm with you. It was a lot of exposition. But maybe it's mm-hmm. because there was so much exposition that I just thought it would keep going and going. And then, Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then the you final see, scene, like, again, the, spoiler. Yeah. yeah. Like she throws yeah. the cake. So they're talking about the affair with yeah. and talking about Thelma. And in the movie, yeah. <laughs> she – now, does this happen in the book too where she basically says that Thelma has an STD or an STI? I – don't remember i think okay. they mention it but yeah i don't i don't i don't remember yeah okay it's been but that, so that was like how the plot moved forward where she was yeah. trying to get back at thelma saying to the to the to catherine o'hara um the tv reporter just that mm-hmm. oh yeah like she she had she has this awful infection yeah yeah the doctor <laughs> and it, it, it turned into this whole thing and then the reporter was like well we should have a party for her to get her mind off of yeah. it her marriage is failing all, mm-hmm. all this crap and then she so and they're talking about it at dinner she grabs the key lime pie that she made mm-hmm. throws it in in his face so yeah. everyone knows that he's the one that she's having that an affair she's with. Che- yeah. Yeah. So that that was a huge moment too. Because if you is thinking of a promising young woman that came out um of course the past few weeks and it's huge mm-hmm. Oscar Oscar buzz. Of course, completely different things. But in the seventies, of course, everything was hush hush. Today, yeah. if people cheat, people fucking know immediately. They know. Yeah. No one told anybody back then. So yeah. that was kept a secret in the movie. And in mm-hmm. the movie, we never actually see Thelma's face. 
And I thought that was really impactful didn't too. She, didn't she uh, show up at dinner so. one time? Yeah, I thought that was her. I, there thought, was she like did. I some, thought she wasn't there. No, there was like, um, they oh, were yeah. at a restaurant and like some woman, I'm pretty sure it was Thelma, came up dog? to them and they were like, yeah. Oh, and they were, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm so and sorry. And that's how okay. they started talking about her. About her. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I, well, I, so thank, thank you. I'm sorry. I, I meant to, yeah. So, but we didn't see her after she found out that he was, that he was cheating on yeah. her. With her. Yeah. So that was good because that kept the power with Rachel. Yeah. And not with her. So, so we got to see her, like, get, catch the glimpse, but then never see her again. I thought that was yeah. important, too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Thank you and for correcting me. No problem. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the key lime pie thing was a huge moment. And I think – I know what you mean about you not feeling like it wasn't the end, but, like, that, for me, was definitely, like – just the cherry on top pretty much like (laughs) or like the whipped cream on top of the the pie um but yeah it uh because of the whole context of like oh nobody knew that it was him and then she just had enough of everyone talking about it and talking about like oh like whoever it is like feel so bad for them or whatever and she was like you know what like it is not anyone's fault except his and so she was like i've had enough like i'd rather just tell everyone i'm out smashes Jeez. them in the face with the pie yep. grabs and then, it personally and then, yep yeah grabs it crazy <laughs> then moves back to new york i think that's yeah perfect perfect <laughs> yeah so yeah oh, that's so cool well there's mm-hmm. actually something we left that, that could be fun for us um so mm-hmm. as they're at the table in one of the scenes, they list five things about themselves that define them in, like, the year they're in now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you want to do that? Oh, gosh, sure, but I'm, like... <laughs> I haven't thought about it at all. I either. haven't thought about it either. Yeah. So in the movie, for example, so it would just be, like, like pregnant. Like, that's what she was yeah. like right now. And then yeah. well, that, that sounds so, like basic woman oh i'm pregnant yeah freaking okay so our friend david (laughs) i had to call him out on this whenever we're watching a movie well this has happened only only on two occasions but like if Mm. something big were to happen she'd be like oh is she pregnant it's like no david not everyone's pregnant and something big news is happening to a woman okay yeah (laughs) no he did not mean to be he is he's a wonderful person he supports women so much i just thought it was so funny that he asked me that that's the first thing (laughs) yeah talking about <laughs> so, oh my god david i love you i totally i'm totally just having fun um oh my god anyway so anyway in the movie she, okay so i'm pregnant i i i love food or whatever uh-huh. like there's like different things now i'm calling people fat this is terrible that's not what i meant to say like, oh my gosh what are you talking about <laughs> let me try something else so for another one okay so tv reporter texan however yeah. you identify yourself um yeah so we, we can try that now. That could be fun. Oh, gosh. Okay. For our listeners to know. <laughs> do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Well, maybe we can, like, go back and forth. Or we can, like, do it for each other. Okay. And see if we agree. Um, okay. I love doing this. I actually did this yeah. for a photo journalism um, project that I did two years ago. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So I would say producer yeah say the same thing okay uh, yeah producer yep, for producer. me <laughs> quarter century 
There you go. That Me too. Obvious. <laughs> yeah. Yay. <laughs> uh, well, New York resident. Yes. Future New York resident. Yay. <laughs> A hot mess. Oh, I like that one. Okay. Yeah, hot mess. And <laughs> it should be positive things. I mean, hot. Mm. The hot part of it is positive. Ayo. Uh, for me, I'd say wine drinker. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Coffee snob. <laughs> uh, grad student. Yes, grad student. Awesome. And then producer and hot mess, like you said. Perfect. How many was that? <laughs> I think that was five. Okay. I can't count. Hold on. I said I said producer, New York resident, hot mess. Oh, yeah, I said future New Yorkers. Right. Really? Three? I think three or four. I'll do one more. On my way. <gasps> That's such a good one. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of Hercules. Yes. <laughs> I am on, on my way. way. <laughs> I can go. I can distance. go the distance. <laughs> See? We got this. Perfect. Yay. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Oh. Well, is there any... Uh, Final thoughts on Heartburn or Nora? There is. I have one thing left to say, and I just thought this, this kind of wraps up Nora, too, and how she thinks of, of her writing in general. Um, so she had yeah. this interview with this lovely woman who who is, a, like, she's a professor, I'm assuming an English teacher, and, and she said, it must have taken you so much courage to write heartburn like back then and then and then Nora just like shut that down she's like she's like hey I don't think it takes courage she's like this is what I do you know like yeah because I thought and I thought that was a huge thing to say uh, because that's mm-hmm. all reporters talk about today it's like oh like, you're so brave you're so courageous right she's just like not really she's like I just she's like I, I she's like I wrote it people like it I'm grateful that's it I'm not brave that's it yeah yeah so I yeah. thought that was interesting because I, I, I kind of get, really get annoyed funny. with that. I get annoyed with Brave. Me too. Yeah. yeah. It's like I – it's like the whole, like, blue curtain debate in English. Exactly. Like, right. <laughs> like oh, your English teacher's like, the blue curtains signify his misery and his sadness. And the author's just like, no, nah, the curtains are just blue. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't mean anything. <laughs> I mean, it works. Yeah. Like, it's like, hey, I'll take yeah. it, but like, chill out. <laughs> For real, but like, the, yeah, this is just like, this was just me writing. This is what I do, and that that's it. Like, I'm I'm glad you guys like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So good. Oh, so this was so much fun. It was. I love talking about Nora with you and sharing her with everyone else. <laughs> yes. You too. Thank you for doing this. This is great. And yes. we'll be back next week with more Nora-isms. And thank you for listening. If you want more of our content um, or just want to get to know us, we'd love to get to know you, please follow us on Instagram at SFDTPodcast. We're also on Twitter, TikTok, with content on the (laughs) way as well. (laughs) And Facebook too. And email us, anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're at SFDTPodcast at gmail.com. If any ideas or leads or comments, hassles, concerns, let us know. Yeah, anything. anything. Love letters. Love letters. No threats. Yes. No threats. <laughs> and, and for all the women out there, you are badass women. Happy Valentine's Day. If you're a dude out there, whoever you are, happy Valentine's Day. All of our love to you guys. And yes. have a wonderful celebration. And if 
and if and Layla's actually doing something pretty badass on Valentine's Day, you want to tell the people? Ooh. Yeah, I'm getting my septum pierced. How fucking badass is that? Okay. I'm really fucking scared. I'm not going to lie. I haven't gotten a piercing since college and I just I need to I need to take back my power, so I'm getting a septum piercing. Yay! <laughs> so, I think so that's so my cool. Valentine's Day. Well, good luck. I'm very excited. I'll, I'll show you guys. I'll show you guys when I get it. Um, Yay! All right. Thanks, Gia. And cheers to everyone listening. Cheers to Nora. We love you. Yes. Cheers to and, everybody. Uh, and I will see, and we will see you guys when we are both 25 years old. Heck yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, Gia. Thank you. All right, bye, everybody. Bye.